Welcome to First Chapter Friday for the book, The Eye of the North, written by Sinead O'Hart. And here's the blurb. When Emmeline's scientist parents mysteriously disappear, she finds herself heading for a safe house where allies are pledged to protect her. But along the way, she is kidnapped by the villainous doctor Sigrid Bauer, who is bound for the ice fields of Greenland. There he hopes to summon a mystical creature from the depths of the ancient glaciers, a creature said to be so powerful that whoever controls it can control the world. Unfortunately, Bauer isn't the only one determined to unleash the creature. The North Witch has laid claim to the mythical beast too, and Emmeline, along with the scrappy stowaway named Thing, may be the only one with the power to save the world as we know it. Can Emmeline face one of the greatest legends of all time and live to tell the tale? Mm -hmm. You can find this book on Destiny as an ebook. There is a single digital copy available, but it is a digital book that you can access. Chapter 1 For as long as she could remember, Emmeline Widget had been sure her parents were trying to kill her. Why else, she reasoned, would they choose to live in a creaky old house where if she wasn't dodging random bits of collapsing masonry or avoiding the trick steps on the stairs, she had to be constantly on guard for booby-trapped floorboards or doors that liked to boom closed entirely by themselves. She lost count of number of close calls she already clocked up and so she never went anywhere inside her house, not even to the bathroom, without a torch, a ball of twine and a short stout stick, the latter to defend herself against whatever might come slithering up the drain. She started a fight for survival early. As a baby, she learned to walk mostly by avoiding the tentacles, tusks and whip-like tongues of the various small furry things in the cages that would temporarily line the hallways after one of her parents' research trips and she'd long ago grown used to shaking out her boots before putting them on in the morning. For as Emmeline had learned, lots of quiet, dangerous and very patient creatures like to hide out in abandoned footwear. Outside the house wasn't much better. The grounds were overgrown to the point that Widget Manor itself was invisible unless you managed to smack right into it. And that kind of lazy groundskeeping provided a haven for all sorts of things. The year Emmeline turned seven, for instance, her parents had come home from an expedition with a giant squirrel in tow, one with teeth as long as Emmeline's leg. It had wasted no time in getting loose and had spent three weeks destroying half of the garden before finally being brought under control. Sometimes, particularly on windy nights, Emmeline wasn't entirely sure her parents were telling the truth when they said the squirrel had been sent back to its distant home. Even worse, a roaring river ran right at the end of their property, sweeping past with all the haughtiness of the diamond-encrusted touches. Emmeline lived in fear of falling in, and so she never ventured outside without an inflatable life jacket, which on its days off doubled as a hot water bottle and a catapult to fight off any, any unexpected nasties she might find living amidst the trees, or even perhaps the trees themselves. As a result of all this, Emmeline spent more time in her room reading than did most young ladies of her age. However, she'd long ago dispensed with fiction, having digested everything that lived on the lower shelves of her parents' library, 
for Emmeline most assuredly did not climb, no matter how sturdy the foothold seemed, and so the higher volumes had to lurk unread amidst the dust. Along with these literary efforts, she'd also worked her way through several tomes about such things as biology and anatomy, subjects that entranced her mother and father. This was unsurprising considering the older widgets were scientists of some sort who had, in their daughter's opinion, a frankly unhygienic obsession with strange animals, but Emmeline herself had found them tiresome. Now she mostly read the sorts of books that would likely keep her alive in an emergency, either because of the survival tips they contained or because they were large enough to serve as a makeshift tent. She was never without at least one, if not two, sturdy books, hardback by preference. All of these necessities, of course, meant that she was never without her large and rather bulky satchel either, but she didn't let that stand in a way. And as will probably have become clear by now, Emmeline didn't have very many, or indeed any, friends. There was the household staff, comprising Watt, the butler, and Mrs. Mitchell, who did everything else. But they didn't really count because they were always telling her what to do and where to go and not to put her dirty feet on that clean floor, thank you very much. Her parents were forever at work, or away, or off at conferences, or entertaining, which Emmeline hated because sometimes she'd be called upon to wear actual ribbons and smile and pretend to be something her mother called light-hearted, which she could never see the point of. She spent a lot of time on her own, and this, if she were to be entirely truthful, suited her fine. One day then, when Emmeline came down to breakfast and found her parents absent, she didn't even blink. She just hauled her satchel up onto the chair next to her and rummaged through it for her book, glad to have a few moments of quiet reading time before she had to start ignoring the grown-ups in her life once again. She was so engrossed in her book, Knots and Their Uses by S.G. Twitchell, that at first she ignored Watt when he slipped into the room bearing in his neatly gloved hands a small silver platter, upon which sat a white envelope. He set it down in front of Emmeline without a word. She made sure to finish right to the end of the chapter about the fascinating complexities of constrictor knots before looking up and noticing that she had received a piece of very important correspondence. She fished around for her bookmark and slid it carefully into place. Then ever so gently she closed the book and eased it back into the satchel where it glared up at her reproachfully. I promise I'll be back to finish you later, she reassured it, once I figure out who could possibly want to write to me. She frowned at the envelope, which was very clearly addressed to a Miss Emmeline Widget, private and confidential, it added. Just because it happened to be addressed to her, though, didn't mean she should be so silly as to actually open it, not without taking the proper precautions at least. In the silence of the large empty room, Emmeline flipped open her satchel again. From its depths, she produced a tiny stoppered bottle within which a viciously blue liquid was just about contained. She uncorked it as gently possible, slowly tipping the bottle until one solidly drop hung on its lip, and then, very, very carefully, she let the drop fall onto the envelope. 
Hmm, she said after a moment or two, raising an eyebrow. That's odd. This liquid didn't smoke or fizz or explode in a cloud of sparkle or indeed do anything at all. It just sat there like a splodge of ink, partially obscuring her name. If you're not poisoned, murmured Emmeline, quickly putting away the bottle, for its fumes could cause dizziness in enclosed spaces like breakfast rooms, then what are you? In the side pocket of her satchel, Emmeline always carried a pair of thick gardening gloves. She put these on and then she picked up, with some difficulty, it has to be pointed out, a butter knife. Suitably armed, she slowly slipped the envelope open, keeping it at all times directed away from her face. A thick sheet of creamy paper slid out onto the silver platter, followed by a stiff card. Emmeline, who's been holding her breath in case the act of opening the envelope released some sort of brain-shredding gas, splattered as the first line of the letter caught her eye. As quickly as she could, given that she was wearing gloves more suited to cutting down brambles than dealing with paperwork, she put aside the card and grabbed up the letter. She stared at the words for ages, for they stayed exactly the same. Dearest Emmeline, the letter began, if you are reading this, then in all likelihood, you're now an orphan. And that was the end of first chapter. I wonder what's going to happen. I think it's a great start to the story. I hope you can explore this chapter book um, on e-version, e-book version on our destiny. So have a go at it and I hope you enjoyed it. And I will come and visit you again with another book, another chapter next time. Take care, my friends. Happy reading.